0: <laughs> hey. <Yeah>. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. So, last time that we talked, I know that we did a lot of Oh, so you moved to Japan, so you live in Japan. What's that all about? But right. Since then, since I've gotten to know you better through I don't the internet or whatever yeah you're involved in a lot of shit that's cool aside from that so i kind of wanted to talk about running like the record label and all the promotional stuff that you do if you're Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about that does that sound cool
1: yeah let's let's go for it okay so uh uh i run a back i guess back in the states maybe 12, 13 years ago, I started a label called uh, Dismantle, which was mainly to focus on just putting out my own band's records or, you know, uh, obscure bands, um, giving them a chance to do vinyl, press vinyl, and things like that. And when I look back at it now, it was so much cheaper to do than I guess what pressing a record costs these days. But um, so. I got really burned out on that really quickly. Just um, being a one man operation, I was just like so burned about having to buy record mailers and all that stuff, and constantly having it was like a job outside of a having a normal job, you know. And oh, then
0: I do, I do. It sucks, and
1: I, I just burned out really quick on it. But then I came to Japan and. Immediately, the creative spark happened, and I wanted to do Dismantle again. But I pressing records in Japan is a little different than the States, because here there's not a pressing plant. Everything goes to Europe. Uh, There's a plant in Czech Republic. There's one in Taiwan. But to press vinyl in Japan is really expensive. And my apartment at the time was too small to even try to run a record label. So... I reimagined it as uh, a t-shirt company to focus on Japanese wrestling, and it kind of snowballed from there.
0: So you're just sending like a digital mix out to these companies for the vinyl that you do, or did you quit the vinyl altogether? I
1: quit, man. It was just like, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a big apartment in the States to begin with, but... You know, you think pressing 500 records is, is a good idea. And it's cool until you get a crate full of like 10 boxes to your house. And <laughs> yeah. you only sell like 40 records. And all of a sudden, you know, you got a... Your whole apartment just looks like a a stock room. It, it's just um, I And I'm not in a place to get like a warehouse or anything. So right. I just got out of the vinyl game. It's just, it takes up too much space
0: these dudes that are pressing like the huge thing now is we're going to release one album but it's going to have five different variations in color or pattern mm-hmm. and we're going to charge you 40 bucks for this album from from your view into that are they are they really up charging that or is that a realistic price for them to be charging
1: unfortunately us? Unfortunately, I think it is pretty realistic because, you know, there's not that many record pressing plants around the world. And I think the materials to press records has become more scarce. So I think the vi- the pressing plants have had to up their price. And therefore the, the bands and labels have had to up their prices too. I gotcha. But even with like, 40 bucks for a record I see some people just they don't bat an eye like a, yeah they don't even they think don't. twice about oh, 40 bucks cool let's do it it's like I think to be a record collector it's become kind of a, a rich man's game unfortunately <laughs> so I'm thankful that you know people think CDs aren't cool anymore because you could still get CD like awesome albums for like a couple bucks and yeah, it doesn't look cool like a record, but if you want to support the band or just own the music, why not? You know, I don't see anything wrong with having a CD.
0: But you're selling like cassettes are making a comeback. I've noticed your posts and a couple of like the smaller bands that I follow. I'm guessing, like, I don't know if they're selling, but,
1: <laughs> you they're, know, I, they're trying I think... to sell and I think the whole cassette comeback has been at least it's already a decade in now, because uh when I was still in the States singing for uh Sick Tired, um uh, we had started putting out a lot of cassettes and people would buy it up and at that time you could still you can make a hundred tapes for little to nothing, sell it for five bucks at your merch table, and you could still make like a really good profit out of that. And I think now cassettes are in the same place as vinyl where uh, the price for production went up a little bit so now you see bands charge like $10 a tape which to me in my head I'm like cassettes should still be five bucks forever but I I guess you know it's $10 is the norm for a cassette now or more but um, it's still a lot cheaper I think than vinyl it takes up less space in your house and I also like the sound of cassettes. So I'm all about bands releasing new uh, releases on tape options because I really
0: love cassettes. Are you making them yourself? Sometimes. I'm not. I think
1: in the years that I've been here, I've maybe done the whole shebang like once. I always have labels willing to help me out with any of my projects like willing to do the the heavy lifting and send me copies to uh, sell and distribute so um but I'm definitely okay if I wanted to restart my label as a cassette based I would be totally fine with that because uh, it takes up little space in the house and they move pretty quickly
0: I think it was. Maybe nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. I started. I'm not going to call it a real record record label, but you know we were going to start one, and we bought like a uh, like I think as a Tascam like four track, <clears throat> and we converted this garage that we were renting in this house into like a recording studio, and then we would do like the instruments in the garage and then we would do like the vocal track upstairs in like the living room. And I, if I do this was so long ago, but I think that this thing had like a built in like tape deck. So it would record the track straight onto a tape. And then yep. we would take the tape and put it into one of those like boom boxes where you can tape the tape. Yep. And then we just sat there. There was no way to do it faster than like the album played. So we would <laughs> yes, sit there yes. for like 30 minutes or whatever, just recording tape after tape from the master, which already sounded like shit. Yep. But then we could take these. I remember you could go to Walmart back then and buy like the, like the bulk pack of cassettes. It was maybe like, yeah. I don't know, 20 or 30. And I think maybe it would cost you like 10 bucks and it was a super cool way to, I don't know, fuck around and have your shitty band make like a three song tape or whatever. Is that, I loved it, man. Basically the same way that it still works for doing cassettes or is it completely digital
1: now? Yes and no. I think, um, so going back to when I was in high school. So I must've been freshman year in high school. What are you like? 14 years old. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I was on a lot of Yahoo and AOL chat rooms for metal and I started meeting lots of people from around the world and it was so weird that everyone was in a band and I was like, man, I don't know anyone at my school who wants to play this kind of shitty music, you know? So, um, it was the same thing. I like discovered, I was like, hey, I wanna I like your band. I wanna show it to people. And it turned out to me like be starting a label like that. So here I was, 14 years old in high school, going to school Monday through Friday, go home, do homework. And then I was getting tapes in the mail, like my mailbox was just filled with packages from like Malaysia and Sweden and Japan. And it was all filthy like noise core and grind core like with shit recording quality yeah Yeah. man it was beautiful (laughs) and I uh I think my parents took me to Kmart and bought like one of those big boom boxes and then I would go to Walgreens and get the blank tapes yeah and I and then go to Kinko's and Xerox the the covers and dude that was my that was high school uh, and it was, everything was so lo-fi and shitty, but for that kind of music, it was great. And I remember I got one band from Indiana. They were like, hey man, we want to put out a, a release on your label. We like what you do. I was like, cool. He's like, by the way, we got a show in a few weeks. Can you make us a hundred copies? <laughs> and I was like, "What?" I was like, my mind was blown. Cause it was like a hundred copies. So. I, I kind of took it as like a cool, like, uh, challenge, but goes back to what you were saying, man. Sitting there in real time, I listened to this fucking demo a hundred times, and it was, it was tough. It was, <laughs> it was really hard to do. And I got them their copies. And, you know, I apparently, I the boombox from Kmart was beaten to shit because everyone's copies were like really blown out and not <laughs> pros sounding. Right, right. It was the beauty of it all. Right. Yeah, but it was awesome. I think nowadays it's nowadays it's a little different. You know, a lot of bands can charge $10 or more for a cassette because the, the packaging is like pro duplicated. Like the tapes are pro done. They sound great. Uh, they're mastered correctly to sound good on your stereo. Everything, There's a lot of like everything. Nice now,
0: paper. You just run it like through a laptop and you can adjust you can. like so like your levels and all that shit to where we couldn't do any of that back then. Like whatever you got um, recorded is, is what you got. That was it. We were using like one mic on the drum set and like a mic on like the guitar amp, but now you can just run the, the shit straight into your computer.
1: Yeah. And it sounds great, but I guess I'm still nostalgic and I still love, you know, the sound of just getting a blown out hand up, like home dub tape. Uh, maybe like the left channel doesn't work or something. You gotta, you gotta turn the volume all the way up on your boom box. Like I love that, man. Like to me, that's, Maybe because it makes me feel like nostalgic for those early days of like discovering all these n- different bands and whatnot, but um,
0: when yeah, that yeah. same time frame, like I think that high schoolish late nineties, the c d burner came out, but even yes. with the c d burner, I remember it was it was impressive if you had like a two times. CD burner so if you had a, no, if you right, had a 30 right. minute CD it, it could burn it in 15 minutes and it was like top of the line at that point but there was no cheap way to record your shit onto a CD so we were taking right. the tapes that we were recording and then putting the tape onto the CD and it yes. was, every time you're doing that you're losing some quality but I do agree with you that the heart In it came across so much better that way. And I still feel that way about, uh, I'm sure you, are you an Opeth fan? Yeah. Yeah. So their first few albums, when they would hit a couple parts of each song, they would have that clean vocal Mm -hmm. dude really struggled. And I always felt like he's not a good singer. He's like singing with his heart. (laughs) He's just letting the emotion and his clean vocals come out. And as they progressed and they got more and more popular, he became like a really good singer. And I felt like the heart that that band used to have just got less and less and less because now they were turning into dream theater. Now Mm -hmm. they were just showing off. Whereas before they were pulling from like that, Just that I don't that urge to create, even though you don't know how or you're not good enough. Mm, It's like mm. I'm going to do it anyway. And I yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is a great way of putting it. And uh, I mean, no offense to any fans of newer Opeth, but um, Uh. uh, I definitely prefer everything up to uh,
0: Blackwater Park. I think was. Yeah, that was a good album. I think that was the last, like, great. And then it just. Yeah, you know, that just... definitely.
1: I saw them a few times af- after that album. And uh I, I definitely, yeah, I got the, the Dream Theater vibes. I was like, mm, I'm not enjoying this as much as everyone around me <laughs> seems to be. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave now. But, you know, it's funny with the tapes, though, because then. CDRs came out and uh, CD burners. And I remember how cool the guy at school was who had, like, fast internet or, uh, (laughs) what was it, Kazaa or whatever, where he was like, yo, give me a band. And you would say, like, a ridiculous band and type it in and, oh, there's all the albums. You want it? And it was just like, what? (laughs) Like, what is happening right now, right? And that shit
0: would take... I don't know, two to three hours to download. And sometimes it wasn't even the album that it says it was, it was right. Somebody's like fucking uh, man.
1: It, it was like you were doing something wrong, you know, and dirty. <laughs> you were just like, you would get this CD. He's like, here you go, man. Here's everything that was on your list. And you'd be like, what? Like,
0: should I be doing this right now? <laughs> the only alternative, which I'm sure you did was just to go to the, like local indie record store and just buy something it was like oh yeah. this cover looks cool like let, let me drop 20 dollars on this cd and hope that i that i like it we had one place right. that would let you like they did the used cd thing and they would let you take the used cd to like a listening station and it was mm-hmm. like oh like this was cool as shit because you could just sit there all day and like, Oh, this looks like it might be good. Let me check it out. But it was harder to, you know, maybe you heard of a band or you saw a logo and you would go try to find it on LimeWire or Napster or whatever yeah, and download it. And it was like, okay. Like, and back then, if you were downloading something, one thing, like that was it. You can't do anything else on your computer. Like that's going to take no, the your entire process, your computer was fucked.
1: Yeah. And if your parents wanted to use the, uh, the, the home line, oh, then yeah, the, that was the it. You got to stop what you're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there was no restarting. If you were like 70% done, it wouldn't pick back up at 70%. It would like, right. it would be like file, like corrupt. And you'd have to start over from the beginning.
1: Well, I got, I got pretty lucky. Cause, uh, around the time I was doing the, the record label, I for some reason again just a freshman in high school I got offered a gig to be a radio DJ at a local college and No shit. I, so I
0: did that too. I
1: was Yeah, so I was I was able to do the metal show and I was able to get all the you know freebies from like Relapse and yeah, Century yeah. Media, kind of the the bigger metal indies and that that saved me quite a bit of money uh from having to take risks at the
0: the record store you know that's when you were still in high school yeah that's pretty cool i was i don't know 23 at the time but you were like 16 17 yeah like
1: 15 (laughs) 16 and here i am like interviewing uh Some weird interviews. I like. It was always funny because they'd be like, "Hey, do you want to interview Blind Guardian or do you want to interview Hammerfall or uh, what?" College was this? Macabre. It was Triton College out in uh, near Chicago. It was like right at the on the outskirts in uh, River Grove, Illinois.
0: How are they getting these dudes to give their time to Triton College? Yeah, I don't know, man. Because I think. It was just uh, at
1: that time, you know, college radio was really big still for Century Media and Relapse. So when they sent you their new releases, they would send you like, please play this track. Yeah, Try to play it once a a day. We're aiming for these type of fans. If you want to do interviews, hit us up here. Uh, If you want free tickets, here you go. Like, please promote this. So they were really relying on... Uh, college radio, to get some like the press that they needed to push
0: those records. I remember getting so like the press release and the album and the play this. I think our studio boss was like, "Play this shit like three times a show, like a track off this album or something." I wonder if we were getting those invites. You just didn't want to do it because, like, oh, maybe. I mean, I went to a small ass (laughs) college too.
1: We, we got some, I got to go to a lot of cool shows and, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool to have the press pass and people would be like, who's this little kid? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just,
0: I'm just here. Yeah. Were most of those shows like 18 and up at that time too?
1: A lot of the shows were house of blues, uh, shows or the Metro, which were like the big venues here. And they were always, uh, all ages. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So are you, yeah, it was a crazy oh, go ahead. time. Man. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I miss that. Yeah, I'm just thinking back. Yeah. Are you doing screen printing and shit for all your shirts and merch? Or are you sending that out as well? That, uh, I
1: work closely with, uh, quite a few people at a, uh, print shop here, but I don't physically do any of the, uh, the screening, but
0: but it's done, it's I'm local. Making...
1: Yeah, yeah. So and the the designs were originally supposed to be, um, as I'd mentioned before, mostly Japanese wrestling related because my other love aside from metal was was wrestling, and uh, over time I wanted to expand into other things that I'm interested in. So of course there's some metal bootlegs and some movies that I like or old vintage PlayStation games, but everything's just a, like a tribute to some, the stuff that I grew up in high school with, you know? So
0: it's, it's impressive that this is something that you got into in high school and you're still actively involved in it today. Yes, (laughs)
1: I think about that often. (laughs) Okay, because
0: I've gone through like four to five year blocks where I've kind of always had the same interests, but the priority interest or the focused interest kind of comes and goes. It's like I played video games Mm. my whole life. I've always been into like snakes and turtles and shit, like keeping them you know, like Mm -hmm. pet trade and I did body piercing for like five years and it's like, I do it. And then I do it for a few years and I'm like, all right, like I've done it. I wish that I had one of those things where it's been like a constant that it's like, this is kind of what I like to do. And I guess I'm just going to do this and continue to enjoy it. Do you feel like you, force yourself to keep doing this or do you just enjoy it that much that it's simple
1: i mean i i will always enjoy you know metal and all of its genres and pro wrestling um but sometimes i do feel a little not burned out but like to me a design idea or a an idea for a new band or release should come naturally i should be like oh, man, you know, it would be a great idea to do it uh, and just make it happen. But sometimes if I see myself really faking it, like, oh, I wonder if this would be good or I don't know, how about this, how about this, being, like, indecisive, I kind of just stop because it doesn't seem natural. And so right now I'm kind of in that position with the uh, the wrestling designs. Like, obviously I love it, but... I've done about a hundred different designs and I'm at a point where I'm trying to figure out what do I want to do next? And I don't want to force like fake it. So I'm focusing more on maybe some metal bootlegs or some video games that I liked or some other like movies instead of, you know, putting out something that's subpar, you know,
0: the the putting out Um, of stuff always interests you like, like the base of the operation.
1: Yeah. That, that excitement of uh, getting a package from the printer of like something that you, you know, maybe drew on a napkin a few weeks earlier. And then you find it comes to like fruition and the final product comes in and you're also sending out those, that product to people because they were just as excited as you were. That that never gets old to me. That's, that's such like a really cool feeling.
0: Are you doing any production uh, of, like, the actual recordings, like music production?
1: No. For, for, and I I am in a lot of bands and projects and always busy with music and trying to be creative. But when it comes to actually uh, knowing how to use music software, I am uh, a caveman. <laughs> I am still the the teenager dubbing tapes from the Kmart boombox. I, I I don't know how to use Pro Tools or Reaper or any of that stuff. I don't, you posted I don't know.
0: a picture a little while ago, and I think it was the dude that was doing some sort of recording or production, but he had like an 80s retro TV cave. Do you know the picture that I'm talking about? It was like all these 80s. Uh, like square CRT TVs, like stacked on the wall. Uh, no shit. No, I don't, I hope hope uh, it was you and not, not somebody else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds like something I, I would, uh, I would post, but yeah, I mean, um, actually that reminds me of, uh, I was just in Korea, uh, in December and there was an exhibit of like old, timey like tvs and things that like 20 year olds today would have no idea what the hell those were or they don't even look like a television and it was really cool to uh to see that like all those vintage tvs and it reminded me of like growing up the first time i saw gremlins was like on one of those tvs or like watching mash or uh i think the first time i saw friday the 13th and uh nightmare on elm street was like on those vintage tube tvs with like the dial that you had to really crank and that might know the long antenna that might be what i'm thinking about
0: yeah that like that
1: i that there was some videos i think i posted some pictures from that exhibit and just seeing all those uh tvs in one place and like the presentation was really inspiring and Man, I left that exhibit just like full of ideas for, for stuff that I wanted to do in the future for, uh, for my labels. So
0: I just watched. I love that sort of stuff. I just watched Gremlins like two months ago for Christmas, and that shit still holds up. That is like an excellent. That's like a ten out of ten movie. Like there was, it was. It's a
1: rare. It is one of those rare films that's just perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. I, I think, and yeah, it, it's a perfect film and I, I still feel the same way uh, as I did when I first saw it, that like when I do now, I'm like, oh, this is just great. Um, Because I grew up on, I don't know about you, but like my parents were really young. They were like 18 or 19 years old when they had me. And what we watched was just like, yeah, Gremlins, Terminator, <laughs> Monster Squad, things like that. And that's what I grew up watching and it just it still holds up and it also feels like it's a nice way to be nostalgic about the past, you know?
0: What was the what was the purpose for the Korea trip? What was that? What was the purpose for the South Korea trip? Uh just
1: to get out of Japan because um, You know, Japan was a lot. It was a lot slower to curb uh, COVID rules and being able to leave and paperwork required to just leave the country. And finally, in November or so, finally, pretty much, borders were open and it became a lot easier to leave as well. And so I took a, just a weekend trip to just get out of here. And it felt great, man, to use my passport again and just...
0: Was it, uh, you know, was it free in South Korea or no?
1: No, 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 no. Pretty much everyone was masked up. And as, I mean, still here, I'd say it's still about 80% of people I see are masked or maybe 90%, but, uh in the middle of March, the government announced they're going to lift mask, um, like the requirements. Right. So everyone's got like March 20th or something, uh, is the day that, you know, we could all take off our
0: mask, which is stupid they're not, by the way, but I think it's actually going it, to happen or you think you're still going to be looking uh, at 60 to 70% of people still wearing them.
1: I don't know. It might be this big thing. Like, everyone takes off their mask and like feels free or whatever that means. (laughs) And it's like this happy ending to the movie and the credits roll, or uh, we take off our masks and everyone gets sick and then everyone Mm. blames the government. And then they do that thing where they bow really close to the floor and apologize. I I don't know. It
0: was just an outdoor thing though, right? Like don't have to wear your mask. No, I think this will be like
1: for pretty much you could take, you could be maskless unless it's like rush hour on the Mm. train, please wear it. Or you're in a, like a outdoor festival or or like a festival where there's like a lot of people in congestion. They want you to just wear it. If in that,
0: I mean, that shit scenario, but shit is pretty crowded there. It's not a horrible idea to like wear it on the train.
1: Oh, it is crowded all the time. (laughs) And but it's 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 funny because I'll go outside and all within the whole day I'll see maybe like four people without a mask and it's still shocking, yeah. even though like we're outside and the government has said like yeah if you're outside take off your mask get some fresh air you know,
0: I mean they scared the it's shit still out kinda, of everybody you know for for years we
1: all we all have PTSD <laughs> from this
0: thing I think we're
1: all there'll be a study in like 10 years about the effects that COVID had on Japanese society. And I'm sure everyone will show signs of PTSD. It's, it's been a form of torture for sure.
0: When you got back from Korea, that's when you had to quarantine. Nope. No. So that was,
1: that's the reason I went was because the only thing you had to do now was, uh, Get an app on your phone to show how many times you had been vaccinated. So that is, uh, if you're vaccinated three or four times, you could just walk right in. But if you're not vaccinated, you got to take a COVID test on site, I believe. Um, So I just had that and that was it. And I walked through and then I came back home and no quarantine. It was great. But you
0: did quarantine for something at some point
1: i've i did i did i got covid last uh summer and i had to quarantine uh in a government hotel for 10 days and that was um that was like a sci-fi movie was that something
0: (laughs) where you got sick so you just said like hey i'm sick put me in a hotel or did the government like find you and make you go to a hotel
1: it was though the way it happened was I got I got sick and um I I went to the doctor and they did the COVID test and when it was positive, the doctor automatically turned your information into the ward office. So they already knew that I had a positive result. I got home and I got a phone call saying, Hey, uh, what are your symptoms? How are you feeling? Can you stand up? Or are you what's your fever temperature? Things like that. And they took my uh they let me know that they had my address and they were sending me a box in the mail of like food that would last for two or three weeks. So I because I couldn't leave to go to the supermarket. So they sent me like enough food to last for that time. And I let them know that I've got a a kid at home. And I didn't want her to get sick. So I thought it. I wanted the hotel option so I wouldn't be here and okay. get okay. my family sick. And uh, they just took some basic information. They were like, what's your age? Which language do you want to speak with the staff and the doctor? And um, they were like, okay, we'll call you back in, a, in 10 minutes. They did. They were like, all right taxi's coming in the morning. Pack your clothes. Uh pack everything you need and you're not allowed to take any medicine for 10 days and uh they went and picked me up and they drove me right to the red light district in Shinjuku and oh, Kabukicho. Nice, nice. And they took me straight to the God, the Godzilla hotel. Oh, the Gracery. And they were like they were like here you go for 10 days. Uh go on in and so i uh i got in line they took my temperature they asked me some questions the elevator was wrapped in plastic <laughs> every everyone, the, is in Dude, everyone is in hazmat interior was wrapped everything everyone is in hazmat suits behind several layers of glass uh they put me in my hotel room and let me know the rules. Like you're not allowed to take any aspirin, any painkillers. Um you're only allowed to leave the room uh for to go downstairs to get your lunchbox and go back to your room. You're not allowed to do anything, no visitors, no outside food. Um and you have to submit your temperature every day at a certain time. And there was announcements in the room too, like everybody you wake up oh my god this is time to wake up now is the time for your temperature and if you didn't submit it in time you would get a phone call immediately (laughs) like hey are you alive where's your temperature you got to turn this in now what time
0: did they wake you up don't don't start with oh my god
1: i think it was seven you had to do your temperature at seven uh 11 (laughs) and six p.m. did you have
0: a like go to bed time too
1: they would tell everyone you could say up anytime you want but they would say like okay uh you've taken your temperature you have submitted you've gotten your last food for the day uh we will see you again at 7 a.m. and it was like it was very weird and there was uh guys in hazmat suits watching the exits on the floor too so even if you thought about leaving
0: they they wouldn't have it you couldn't order a delivery they would just drop at the hazmat suit guy I, that he could bring to you,
1: I've heard of some places allowing uh, like Uber Eats, but that hotel was no.
0: God, man, did you go nuts? Like, what did you do all day?
1: I watched a lot of uh, Ingmar Bergman movies. <laughs> I I watched all of like his complete. Uh, filmography I watched everything I watched a lot of film noir YouTube has a lot of old movies for free so I I binged on all these old films that I've wanted to watch for a while and a lot of Twilight Zone a lot of wrestling and a lot of sleeping because COVID hit me pretty hard where I uh I lost about 30 pounds oh shit and yeah and
0: um what like a two week like the period? back pain yeah Fuck. from like vomiting and shit or just sweating it out
1: or sweating and i was eating but like the the lunch boxes were really small and before covid i was uh stress eating a lot at work so i was eating a lot of sweets and things like uh-huh. that and you my i just went straight into deep body detox it was like nope you're going to have fish and rice and that's did it. did you
0: get hit with like the caffeine sugar withdrawal
1: so, uh we got free coffee which was good <laughs> okay so, save, that so saved you. that that kept me sane but uh it was it was very surreal to be in my room looking down from my window And I am in the red light district, so I am what is nothing but 24-hour flashing lights and just like strip clubs and, you know, soap lands and people like falling over drunk and whatever. And I am in this room looking down at everything and I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm just stuck here. (laughs) It was very weird. 10 days?
0: 10 days. Man, I don't know what I would have... I did. Could you take anything from the house? Like, could you have taken your PlayStation or is that against the rules? Yeah. Okay, you, could, you could. I you took could. my computer. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah. You could take, they were like, take anything you want, but no medicine, uh, anything you'll need for 10 days basically. So I, I took a bunch of extra like soup and ramen. Cause I was like, I don't know what kind of food they're going to give me. So I took some extra food just in case. And, um, yeah, it was weird. It was really weird times. And then what was right after the 10 days, I got a call at 10 in the morning. They're like, this is the front room. You're safe. Now you have to leave. <laughs> and I
0: was like, okay, they don't, they don't test <laughs> so, you at the end. Just after 10 days, it's done.
1: Yeah. Cause my temperature was like oh, for five right, or six right, days right. in a row was, was below a certain level. So it was like I was at a thirty six three for five days. So they're like, "You're probably fine." And the worst it was, I, I had like a forty degree fever, and I felt like it was that like that scene from two thousand one Space Odyssey, like when he's like going through that psychedelic like journey. It was like that. I've never had a fever dream, or f- like a fever that felt like. I was in another planet. It was really fucked. Um, but then that day, they, they said I could go home. They kicked me out, and I walked out of the hotel. And you've been to Kabukicho and Shinjuku, you know. It's 10 in the morning, but people haven't slept from the night before. So I walked out, and it was like walking dead, man. Everyone's just on the street. They look wasted or all fucked up on drugs or they've been doing like pachinko for like all night and everyone just looks like zombies. And I'm, I was just like, fuck when I kind of want to go back. I kind of want to go back to the hotel
0: room. (laughs) When I went, I went to go to some samurai museum that was down there and it was like, it was like 10, 11 in the morning. And I was like, this is the place that people say is awesome. Like it looked like a total, like it was clean. But somehow it was clean and looked like a shithole at the same time, and I was like, Absolutely. "What is this place?" And then I went back in the evening, and I was like, "Oh, this place is pretty cool. Like it's, it's out there." But I get it now. But like, dude, there was like four people that I saw in like the two hours I was down there, and yeah, they all just kind of <laughs> looked like they'd been awake since eight a.m. the previous day, and I was like, okay. "Yeah,"
1: but. That's an area that, like, I used to maybe go and drink when I was, like, a tourist, but now it's usually, like, a place I avoid, so I thought it was really funny that when the cab was pulling up, he's like, here you go, I was like, oh, great.
0: (laughs) And that was all covered by the government? I didn't pay a single dime. Is it still going on? Are the hotels still taking people in, or is that shit over?
1: The the la- the day i got out the government had just announced that they cut it from 10 days to 7 days uh for quarantine and then now i think if you get covid you can just quarantine at home okay. i believe so i th- that i'm not too sure if they're continuing that whole uh free hotel thing but I assume it worked out for everybody because the borders were still closed um, and the hotels were taking a really big hit with no tourists. So by the government sending those people to the hotel, I'm sure they were making a good amount of income yeah, sure. to allow their rooms to be used. So I, it was probably really good for them to, to do that sort of thing. So, But now that tourism's back, I, I don't think that they need to, to do that.
0: You got to time crunch today so we got a couple minutes left I got one more question how sure how often is the live wrestling happening is it once every day of the week serious
1: yeah there is wrestling here every day of the week there is about you have your big promotions like uh, New Japan pro wrestling but there's like 20 smaller promotion quote unquote smaller but um there is a website called uh puota.net, P U W O T A.net, I believe. It's an English calendar that uh lays out all of the wrestling oh. in the country that you can go to. And every day of the week, you might have one or two promotions, or you might have 20 shows on the same day to pick. Man, from. I thought you were gonna and say it's like, like once a month. No, nah, man, I mean, there the option is there to go every day of that's the week. Crazy. So if you want to see uh cute girls wrestling, yeah, you want to see some heavy heavy hitting wrestling, you want to see guys falling through barbed wire, you want to see whatever you want to see, it's there.
0: So some of it's pretty hardcore and then some of it's going to be relatively lame depending on the specific event.
1: Yeah, I you 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 might, you know, see like more amateur stuff, you might see some stuff that's more like uh rings or pancreas or pride kind of like more okay shoot style or you might just see like older dudes you know wrapped in barbed wire whatever i mean there's something for everybody
0: i'll have to check it out you can help me out right yeah you'll help me out with the wrestling absolutely um what's the main website that you're selling all your stuff from now
1: sure so uh for anyone on instagram they could look under uh dismantle underscore chiba that's c-h-i-b-a um i'm constantly posting on there like wrestling stuff or anything that i'm selling any new designs um there's pictures of my old designs on there so that's the best place to find me for uh label stuff
0: okay it'll and it links to if you the want to listen sites. to my bands
1: yeah and if you want to listen to my bands, uh, check out Mortify, which I think I talked about last time. And uh, I'm singing for a new death metal band now called Seeping Protoplasm. So you could check out both of those. You got any shows coming up? Uh, we March 20th, we're playing in not too far from the Godzilla Hotel. So <laughs> I'm sure they'll bring uh, back some PTSD. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, seeping will be playing a show then, and uh, yeah, I think that's the next one for us. Oh, and actually, Mortify is playing in Koiwa, uh, the start of March as well.
0: Okay, cool. Try to set something up for like early May, late April. We can definitely <laughs> do that. All right, cool. Thanks for taking the time. Make sure that you get to work. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.